Hello and welcome to the final episode of The Good Life as part of the Saddle podcast. We are the Sitcom Archive Deep Dive Overdrive and I am Alison Barton-Simmons. Now then, I'm Eggs Benedict and I'm sad. Why are you sad? Because it's the last one. I know. I'm discommoded. Yeah. You've what? I'm I'm discombobulated (laughs) (laughs) or discommoded or whatever because it's the last one and I'm... I'm feeling an emptiness now deep within my soul. <laughs> Me too. I have got a good, a good life-shaped hole in my soul. A, go- a goat-shaped hole, perhaps. Yeah. But we should, like we said in previous weeks, we shouldn't be sad because we will go on and do something else and we'll talk about that at the end of this one. There will be more fun. We've got, yeah, the world's our oyster now, isn't it, really? We've... um. We've made a really good start with, with this one, but there's there's so much more out there. And it's and it's quite exciting, isn't it? It's quite sad, but it's very exciting. Yes, and I'm sure we'll be able to hark back to the good life and draw comparisons in the future. And Absolutely. it's not going to stop me re-watching them again and again no, and again. exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so we are here at the second of the specials. This is the... Um, the royal it's like a royal command performance isn't it of of mm. the good life for the queen and prince philip in 1978 and apparently this was to 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 help to help raise money to send the team the british team to the commonwealth games really i didn't know that i yeah. just thought the queen just said you know i thought she had more power in the 70s you're like let's sit down to watch a good life it's not on lizzie well it Make me one. will be on i'll get, <laughs> get me one now get me one yeah Which i, I think didn't realize that was part of it, I think. However, I, I did I did hear as well that when the Queen was was there at the at the recording, she was given some flowers by Felicity Kendall's son. Mm. And when staff, whoever the staff were, told her that this is Felicity Kendall's son, the Queen went, "Who's Felicity Kendall?" So she can't be that much of a fan if she didn't know who the star was. Unless she's like one of them idiots who thinks that everyone on Corrie is like actual person. Actual people in a box in the front room. Yeah. Do you mean Barbara Good? <laughs> That's it. They just use the wrong name. Well, why is this child not called Good? <laughs> why did it not approach me in a rotary cultivator? <laughs> she might be a bit simple. <laughs> this is the book ending of, of The Good Life um, with this extra special special that we are going to tear apart and um, take a deep dive through. Yeah, we've got lots to get through, actually, because as well as being the final one, it's an extra long one, because before the episode starts properly, you've got a bunch of sort of nonsense while the Queen and Prince Philip arrive, and there's a load of footage in the studio of them meeting the cast and all that sort of stuff, and at the end as well. And as well as that, of course, we've got our usual silliness and MVP, and Fashion Corner, and we'll announce the winner of the MVP this week. Oh, I'm very excited. I'm glad I don't know because I don't want to. I don't want to be swayed by sort of voting for a winner just for the sake of it. I was going to say something, but I won't then. I'll leave it till later. Yeah, don't don't hint. I don't. I don't know. I want to wait and see. I want to wait and see. So before we actually get stuck into this extra long episode um, with the Queen and Prince Philip arriving, etc., etc., I did a few anagrams last week of. Who did I do anagrams of? I can't remember. It was Penelope Keith. Or was it Margot Ledbetter that you did them of? Margot Ledbetter. Well, I found a bunch of other anagrams that I quite okay. liked. Penelope Keith, she is keen tipple ho. Yep. And she is keen for tipple, though she's no ho. She's no ho. <laughs> um, peep honk elite. 
And we've is, that, got is that Penelope Keith as well? Again, yeah. Penelope okay. Keith. And one last one. Hot Penal Peak. <laughs> oh, that just sounds awful. <laughs> no, it's not so great, is it? Felicity Kendall, um, she's the fine tickle lady. Yes, she is. But she's also um, kill yet fancied. Oh. So that could be like a stalker. It could. That's these are these are quite um quite relevant, aren't they? Ladylike infect. She infects us all with her ladylike. She does. Lay in cleft dyke. <laughs> Maybe nuts. <no, no. laughs> and one also for the lesbian community. Nail flicked yet. Oh. So maybe if you fancy Felicity, you've had a little flick. I don't know. So- <laughs> um, saucy. Very saucy. And then finally, I've got... Oh, no, not finally. Yes, finally. I've got some for Paul Eddington, mm-hmm. which are quite relevant as well. Unpainted gold. Oh, and he is. Yeah. He's not, not flashy, but inside. Not flamboyant, but he's gold, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Lounge pint dad. Of gin. Well, possibly. He's the type <laughs> of person who would, who would have a, a lounge pint. Yes, he would. I like la- lounge pint. And then my favourite is add opulent gin. It never is. Is that really one of them? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or actually, no, my favourite is loud panted gin because he has got oh. loud pants. Oh, my God. These are very... Did you have to put in any any other words to sort of describe these people? Or is that what has been thrown out? I'm embarrassed to admit. I added in his letters and then I trawled through about 2,000 anagrams oh, to, find okay. <laughs> to find appropriate ones. Yeah. They're I'm sad. brilliant, though. I'm a sadder. Oh, yeah. they're really good. I like loud-panted load panted gin. So relevant, isn't it? Wow. Less so hot penile peak for, for Penelope. I'm glad, King. yeah. Although we don't know, do we? We don't know what, what went on behind that parlour no. door no. with the stockings. So one of us had the idea, it might have been you, it might have been me, I can't even remember, to um, rank our favourite three episodes of The Good Life. Yeah. Was it your idea? I think, I it, think was, it was it? my idea, yeah. Yeah. So have you have you taken all 30 episodes and decided what your top three are, Al? Yeah, my, my, my top, my number one, I had anyway. I knew what my number one was. Well, go from three to one like you do in the charts. Come on, okay. build a suspension. Do, 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 do. Okay, in in third place for me is the happy event, which Mm. is the episode with the pig runt and the oxygen dash and the weird policeman, which I did enjoy. I did enjoy that. I I enjoyed um, the the, the fact that they all worked together in order to save this little pig's life. Um, the weird policeman who who just appeared and was very very concerned and ringing back to the station about the the the, the state of the pig, but it was just a, it was one of those episodes that was tied up in a neat bow at the end, and everything was all right and I like that I do. It like also that. that one brought out the best in all the characters as well as it I recall. It did, it did, and it was very funny. It was really really funny. Was it? I think that was the episode as well where Jerry shouts "Shut up!" to. Indeed, it is. To Margot, (laughs) which still makes me laugh now. Oh, Uh, my second favourite episode is Mister Fix It, um, which is the one with Mister Mister Goals, the journalist. You've got a a right bloody lady boner for this fella, haven't you? It is because of Mister Coles's reaction to the peapod wine, which I still think is one of my favourite ever moments in. 
in the series. I know that it's nothing to do with the four characters, but I, just his reaction to that Peapod wine, and just that just the Peapod wine as a character in in itself, um, just just it, it it made me it made me smile. It really did. And my number one spot, yeah, build attention, is, build attention, is mutiny. Is it? Oh. It is where um, Margot plays Maria in The Sound of Music, but goes on stage absolutely frantic and sings songs from The Sound of uh, from um, West Side Story. Yes, that is a good one. It is a good one. The hysterics, the the flowers, <laughs> the um, the shouting of the uh, to the little kid that comes in through the door and just the ghastly child. About- yeah, everything about it. I love that episode. It, it was the one that I think that made me laugh the loudest and the longest. So, um, those are my three. I do like a line in that one as well. As it's tat tat tat. Yes, that's a great line. It is. It, it's wonderful. So go on, go on then. Tell me yours. Well, I'm surprised that some of mine didn't make yours as well. However, I will say that mutiny and the happy event narrowly missed out on my top three. Did they? They nearly mm. got in at third place, both of them. But third place yeah. for me for me was silly, but it's fun. The last one we did. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Which is a lovely Christmassy episode, and I think the outpouring on Twitter when it was shown recently shows how much everyone loves it. I kept that one as like an extra. I didn't. I didn't include that in my decision making. I won't talk too much about it because we talked about mm. it last week in in great depth, didn't we? But it's a yeah, it's a belter, isn't it? It's a it great is a episode, definitely. And my second favourite was actually I Talked to the Trees. Oh, right. With Mr... What's he called? Mr... Waitley. Mr. Mr. Wembley, I was going to call him then. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think there's some really, really funny scenes that Penelope Keith and Richard Bryars have great fun with in that one. Yes. And there's also Margot's magnificent in politicking Dolly Mountshaft out of the, the Music Society and getting her own way in it. Just the dynamic between all the characters is great in that one. It was wonderful, yeah, it was. And there's pampas grass in it as well. There is. That scene with Jerry where he's waiting for Margot to come downstairs and he's massively uncomfortable is is a great scene. Yeah, and he stares right at the pampas grass while all these people are looking nervous. I can't help thinking that they knew what they were doing there. Yeah, yeah. We just didn't see the bit with the keys, the car keys. And my number one? Go on. Can you guess? Can you guess what my number one is? Um, is it the one where Margot falls in the sou'wester in the garden? No, no, it's the windbreak. No. The windbreak wall. The windbreak. All right. Twenty minutes of not, not, nothing in particular, but then ten minutes of brilliance. Like we said when we deep dive that episode, I just think that that ten minutes of television where they're all drunk is just perfect. Yeah. So I guess it probably shouldn't be number one because twenty minutes of it was. Filler, no killer. It was all leading up to to that to that scene, wasn't it? Yeah, like um, the the uh, suit yourself was a bit like that, where it was all set up towards the Just reveal the of the nettle suit. But it's yeah. so well done that the final act, if you like, raises it above all the other episodes for me. Of course, it's like worth the payoff, isn't it, of of waiting for it. Yeah, and if you'd not seen it before, you wouldn't you wouldn't know what was coming. I don't think um, in either of those. Um, episode so no no it's um I, I also just love the fact that it it humanizes margot so much that one that i picked with yeah. her uh, lack of sense of humor and her vulnerability 
Start just a dojo. perfect, perfect episode from Penelope Keith. That one. It's interesting mm. that we all came out with, we both came out with three different episodes, different ones. Yeah, absolutely. But I could appreciate why you've chosen those three as well. Yes, and vice versa. There's, there's a lot to choose from. Well, yeah, the there's not many. Well, there's no stinkers. There are some mm. quite average ones, like the one yeah. we're going to do right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. It's all right. It's something to talk about, and it's of course it is. Probably it's about time we got stuck into it. Do you think? Let's get going. Well, one quick reminder. Um, you can watch this episode on Daily Motion, and if you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, we tweet out links to where you can watch it. So you can catch up on what exactly went on in this episode before we pull it apart. I didn't really need to say it, did I? We've not been saying it lately. Have we not? I think we've just given up. We've figured if you can't fucking work <laughs> it out for yourself, then you might as well clear off. Anyway, here we go. Daily Motion. (laughs) Yes, Daily Motion. Go and check it out. So this is the special command performance of The Good Life. And the episode that we're going to look at is called When I'm 65. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So unusually, we are not starting in The Good's Kitchen with this episode. We are starting Mm. at Television Centre the big BBC <laughs> hotspot in London, to see the arrival of Queen, the Queen and Prince Philip. It's very weird. It's weird. You can't even sort of think that it is an episode of The Good Life at the start. No, it's, it's a very, very odd start, isn't it? It really With is. The, you just get the view of the exterior of Television Centre and then it pans down and you've got the voice of this sort of very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very, he's a, a received pronunciation announcer, isn't he? That's That's sort of... Narrating. Yeah, he is commentating. Yeah, he's commentating the arrival of the Queen and Prince Philip to watch an episode of The Good Life. That's pretty much the the premise, isn't it? And he says, a magnificent jubilee Rolls Royce arrives. And I just thought, it looks like a fucking black cab to me. Yeah, (laughs) it just is. Yeah. I think Big Phil's been outside going, (laughs) whistling, (laughs) beckoning one over. And then we see the, the Queen and Prince Philip enter um, Television Centre to be greeted by all the BBC bigwigs. And it's, mm. and it's, they make a point. It's quite weird. They make a point of saying, like, it's the chairman of the board, um, the director general and his wife, Mrs. Director General or whatever her name was. And it just feels very unnecessary and crawling and. Deferential, really, isn't it? Yeah, it just seems unnecessary. However, obviously, this is how they wanted to play it. Um, they, they they were recording an extra episode of the Good Life for the Queen, so they've they've made quite a big deal of of the of the arrival. Well, he's almost doing your job for you, this commentator, because he starts thinking he's in fashion corner. He starts talking about written, what the Queen's wearing. And... He, yeah, he he really is sort of spreading himself quite thinly and. And doing all all the parts, so he's so he's announcing the the arrival of of the Queen, and they get shown to the seats while there's all other people sat there in the audience. So it's like a live audience. The way that they've done it is they've they've recorded already the outside bits of the show, but all the interior bits that that are sort of surrounding the Goods Kitchen and the Ledbetter's Parlour are all going to be filmed in front of a, a live studio audience that on this occasion has part of the royal family sat amongst them yeah seeing the sets from the perspective of the audience because we're, we're seeing the sets um from a distance pulled back so we can see that they are just sets yeah that was quite which a, is weird quite unusual weren't it to actually see that the rooms as as an audience would see them 
sat watching it being filmed and I don't know they look they look bigger than I I anticipated they don't they don't, they don't look as homey mm. and cozy as and I know they're not real but it, it 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 felt it felt quite privileged seeing them as as they were yeah I think. It's one of those things I'd like to jump in my time machine and be in the audience yeah that'd be ace wouldn't it that floor manager with a monobrow though Brian who came on Brian Brian Jones <laughs> I knew you'd know his name he um. <laughs> Well, for one, he couldn't be asked with any health and safety spiel. He's like, right, here we go. Let's crack on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he introduces no all of those. No, fuck that. It's like if, you know, run for your... He doesn't even bother. <laughs> it's, it's very 70s. But then he introduces all of the sets, which I thought was a bit weird. Because yes. if you watch The Good Life, you know the, what The Good's Kitchen looks like. Mm. And then he he mentions what also drew my, drew my attention is when he mentioned Margot Ledbetter's lounge or yes. living room or however he said it just the mere mention of her name drew an, an affectionate chuckle from the audience did you notice i did yeah is that i don't know what what do you think it was just excitement about them them seeing the seeing i it think being just filmed? she's such a loved character yeah that they were like buzzing with yeah anticipation i guess i think i would have done as well i'd have tittered Richard Breyers, when when they, they get introduced onto the the, the stage, um, Richard Breyers comes out and speaks to the audience as well. As the artist, yeah. here's the artist, Richard Breyers. I thought that's very grandiose. Yeah, for the 70s. yeah. So he comes out, speaks to the audience. Uh, there's a oh, there's a mention of Jimmy Savile. Yeah. Which is which is a very. But 70s... You raised your eyebrows at that, didn't you? Oh, if you had any, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I had to lift them up manually. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jimmy Savile they've been writing to Jimmy Savile each week um, in order to get this this done and um, apparently Jim works very hard um, mm. it's just yeah it never sits well does it I bet they wish they could airbrush that one I know yeah history yeah hmm. oh dear after Richard Bryan they then wheel out the, the remaining cast headed by George Cole who has about 10 seconds on screen in this episode. But obviously, he, he must have been quite a name around that time. So he, he's, mm, he's, he's there as the head of the um, head of the troop for this week. I mean, was he ever young? He, I don't, he already looked. He, he always looked like that. Yeah. Never looked any different. Good at what he did, though, even though he only had a very small cameo. Absolutely. Unbelievable. He's, he's got that kind of voice, I think. Next, Paul Eddington, who they describe as being suave and elegant, and you can't argue with that. No. Penelope Keith. She marches on. She's, 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 yeah, you can tell she's up for it. She's very excited, I think, about the prospect. Yeah. And the wonderful little woman, the delicious Felicity Kendall, is how he describes her, which I think is, yes. um, she, she, she looks very happy as well. She's always very smiley. They're all living on her nerves, I think, especially if you've watched the, the documentary that was on over Christmas when yeah. we talk about it. Um, you can tell that they were very... In fact, doesn't Richard Bryce make a joke that he's now going for a quick shake? Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. And I thought, I thought, bloody hell, that's a bit... I know, yeah. took me a minute. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, just... Does the Queen really need to know that? <laughs> Oversharing, Richard Bryce. Tell you what I, what I did think was quite, um, quite amusing and very sort of 70s about seeing all this, that the stage crew were all in shirt and ties and suits. Mm, they looked yeah. very, very uncomfortable and just not dressed for the occasion, not dressed for the job. Do you think that do you think they dressed like that all the time? Or was that just because the Queen was no. there? So, well uh, everything everything was done up to the max, I think. Oh. I mean they'd created a special box for her, hadn't they, in the studio. It was just a load of nonsense really. Yeah. 
And then then we start, the, the episode starts as it normally would do. Mm. In the same way with the credits. This was actually on TV in June 1978 to an audience of 14.4 million, which is not the highest, highest rating um, episode. But it's still up there, isn't it? 14.4 is quite a... Quite an yeah, well, the the, the monobrowed floor manager boasts, doesn't he, that they reached twenty million at its peak. Yeah, I think even at one th- point. Yeah, twenty one million, I think, was the highest, which is that's huge. Wow. What a huge um, proportion of the country watching that at, that, at one yeah, time. Yeah, and you've got to bear in mind as well that the population was a lot less than it is now mm. because of the way we've grown exponentially over the last thirty, forty yeah. years. Yeah. So into the episode, we are in Margot and Jerry's drawing room. I think that's what Brian Jones called it, the drawing room. We've been calling it a right. living room and a lounge, parlour, the drawing well, room. Well, actually, doesn't she called it a drawing room herself when she got Did the she? bloody the the work in in the um, windbreak episode when she ordered the fella in? I will right. see you in my drawing room. Oh, okay. Uh, Tom and Barbara come marching in through the patio doors with Japanese sleeping blocks. Um, hmm. I don't know whether these have been made, but have they been made by the gods? These Japanese sleeping yeah. blocks. I think I think Tom's been handy and made them for her. Yeah, they've got Japanese visitors coming. Um, it's Mister and Missus Yashimoto from Kyoto that are coming over. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's still confusion over whether the Yashimotos will want to sleep in beds or on Japanese sleeping blocks. So Margot's just got them handy, so she can just whip them out at a moment's notice. Mm. to surprise the, the Japanese visitors. Should they need them, sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. Tom decides, doesn't he, to demo how these Chinese uh, Japanese sleeping blocks work. Yeah. And then he says to he says to Barbara, now write down, in a sort of mock Chinese accent. Yeah. But at that point, my hearing, I tuned in to hear, I'm bound to hear Prince Philip guffawing at that. <laughs> He's gonna love that. Oh my god! Yeah, he's such a racist old <laughs> bastard, isn't he? Oh dear me! But would you would you sleep on a, one of those Japanese whatever they're called? Are they for putting? Are they for putting under your neck? Yeah, but they're so high. Right? Do you know what? For, for Christmas, I bought Johnny um, a like an acupressure mat that have got like yeah. little needles sticking up through it and you get a pillow with it, which is quite reminiscent of the Japanese sleeping block and you put it under your neck and then it's got loads of like pricky things that needles. stick into your neck. Kind of, like plastic, not not like metal ones, like little plastic smack needles. smackhead pillow. <laughs> yeah, you just keep, just keep forcing your head into it and it's supposed to help and relieve pressure and, and, and I used it yesterday. I used and it yesterday good. and my headache's gone. Oh, that's, that's good. I also took copious amounts of painkillers, um, which also well, probably helped. So I don't know. It's probably not an even uh, an even test. But yeah, there's, there's there's sort of things that are a modern day equivalent, perhaps. Oh, of... I don't. They look to me like they'd knacker up my Gregory Peck, to be honest. Yeah. They look too, too steep, you know. Anyway, each to their own. If this Mr. Nakamoto, whatever his name is, Yashimoto. wants them. Mm. Yashimoto, He's bloody hell. They're, they're there. I'm as bad as Big Phil, aren't they? <laughs> That's it. I think it's more to do with the fact that Margot can be prepared and go, here, I have them ready waiting for you. I am so well informed mm. about your culture. Because mm. she loves that, Must doesn't be. she? She loves that. She's very prepared. She A is. A good executive's wife. She is. She is. Jerry's not in this scene. Um, Jerry is away 
in the study being examined by a doctor because the, the, the Ledbetters are busy sorting out their life insurance policies now that Jerry's taken on the role of Sir and Jerry needs to have lots of lots of tests, a battery of tests in order to, to sort out his, his policies that he's got. Well, it's his retirement annuities and I think mm. life insurance worked, I think all insurance, but particularly life insurance, worked very differently. I think... If you were lucky enough to live yeah. to a certain age and not die, you got some kickback. And now insurance policies don't work like that anymore, do they? No. The annuities. You're just basically tough shit with, with we won the bet. Yeah, is basically exactly. the attitude yeah. that, the, that the companies take. Um, Margot's very happy about this prospect as as it it means that she can find out that Jerry's fit and healthy and that he's well. And that the, the, the Ledbetters are covered covered financially for the future, which is, that makes Margot very happy. Yes, although it doesn't pan out that Jerry is very well. No, apparently um, the only thing that's keeping him upright is his hardened arteries, <laughs> as Tom yeah. says. So he, he knows that he's enjoyed the good life. Oh, there we go. Hey! The good life, he's enjoying the good life. You said life. that without even meaning it, didn't you? <laughs> no, I just said it. He's enjoyed that he's enjoying the good life and perhaps might need to just wind it in a little bit. The doctor's told him he's abusing his system in just about every way possible. Well, yeah, which I think he knows makes that. you think, what else is he doing? You know, we know about his gin. Tom says he drinks five bottles of gin a day, which I'm sure I'm pretty sure he doesn't. But is he also into, you know, crack cocaine? Maybe. Yep. Poppers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What's riddled, he doing? Riddled with STIs. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what's going on? But he's abused his body. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know how in-depth the actual medical tests went. No, he's just worried though, isn't he? And yeah. he's getting Tom. Tom is teasing him and being totally unsympathetic in the way that he is. And he, in fact, he even predicts Jerry's early death, doesn't he? Because oh. he's, he's just heartless. And then Margot just says to, to Barbara, take Tom home, please. <laughs> yes, yeah. Tom does say, when you're dying, can I have your golf clubs? Which yeah. Is, <laughs> which is very... Um, oh, so. Yeah, yeah. However, next we see Tom and Barbara in their kitchen and they're, first of all, discussing one of the chickens that's not laid. And Glenda. Yeah, Barbara's a bit concerned that the cockerel is a little bit too Oliver Reed-like and that the that Glenda needs whining and dining. And that's the, that's the issue. Yeah, I think she's applying human um, attributes to her, to her poultry yeah. here because I don't think it's that Lennon isn't, Glenda's type, which is really what no, Barbara I don't think it works like that. Is it, in chicken, no. Land. But Tom's still maudlin at this point, isn't he? He's mm. still sort of doom and gloom and predict, predicting his own demise now. Yeah, there's concern that because of the the, the the lifestyle that the goods have have decided to follow, the self sustainability lifestyle doesn't allow for putting much aside for the future. They're not able to save mm. anything. And then, do you think this is something that's only just hit them, or do you think that they've thought about this before and now they're just being faced? with it and have to think about it because they must know that having having no income must mean there's nothing there's no extras there's nothing to put to one side a lot of people have just focused on living in the moment yeah. i have only recently started thinking about pensions and stuff myself and i'm mm-hmm. mid-40s you know yeah i think tom is one of those guys who just gets caught up with his ideas and you see this later when he goes to the bank as well he just doesn't know how the real world functions no. He does predict that his national insurance stamps won't be sufficient, mm. and no doubt that is correct. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, um, that's going to be factual. History has proven it? that to be correct, I think. Mm. 
But as soon as their body's packing, they're financially screwed. So he, he needs a plan, doesn't he? Exactly. They they rely on their um, health and fitness in order to continue what they're doing, don't they? They wouldn't have had such a thing as in, as like income protection for illness as well, probably. I don't think that was an insurance policy that existed back no, then, No, probably it? not. Probably not. It, it, this scene made me laugh, though, because as, as Tom's talking, Barbara's sewing. She's sewing like um, a patchwork quilt, which she puts over his knees while he's still talking. And by the time he's finished chatting away, he realises that he looks like an old man in, a, in, a, in an old an old foxhole. Yes. And that's how he's acting, too. Don't panic, Margot! I'm not panicking. I'm awaiting instruction. Oh, do let's sit down. We're then outside on the street. I like these outside shots. These, this must be one of the, the, the scenes that was that was filmed prior to the Queen and Prince Philip watching the live the live show. Um, they're outside, arriving home on the rotary cultivator, only to pass Jerry and Margot running. I had to rewind this to see whether it was Mar- whether it was Margot running or not because it just seemed such a juxtaposition of of things that my head nearly fell off. I thought, what? what? Do you know what I did as well? I flipped doing? it back and thought, was that Margot running? Yeah. Especially just because you don't see a dress. In fact, all other characters, I'm sure you'll say this in Fashion Corner, they're dressed slightly differently than they usually are, I think. Yeah, I felt that we'd shifted on um, an edge almost. We'd, we'd moved away mm. from the 70s feel and it, we, we, were, we were entering the a new edge. I wonder if they, because this was, the show was supposed to have ended, whether some of the costumes had been gotten rid of actually. maybe maybe there maybe was no that was the case. But, but i think i don't think she would considering the storyline i don't think that it was out of character for her to be she had all the gear let's face it she had all the gear but no idea match, mm, matching tracksuit and the visor because everybody's got to run in a see-through plastic visor in in the yeah. 70s and 80s margot is very supportive of jerry and his new regime his fitness yes. regime she wants him to be as fit and healthy as possible I think in order to keep going to work and making more money, um, but obviously she's got she's got care over over his health too, and they, they've 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 bought loads of expensive home exercise equipment, which is like a big thing in the seventies and eighties. You yeah, rowing machines and exercise bikes were in in lots of spare rooms, having claws hung over them in the seventies. It was and a 80s. new thing, sort of. Yeah, that came in from America, possibly. Yeah, but I think. This is typical of Leadbetters. They don't do things by half. We're going to no. get fit, so we'll buy an entire home gym, basically. Yes, yes. And matching outfits. To, to, to solve one problem, yeah. They, they, they go for the whole hog, don't they, every time. And I think I've said before about Margot, she seems to have a uniform for every every version of Margot that exists. And this is this is yeah. the new uniform, isn't it? It's, we've got a matching trackie, all the equipment at home, and... It just seems like this is a very lead better thing to do, to fill your house full of things in order to throw money at the problem, almost. Yeah, yep, fair. that's a fair comment. Tom Tom tightens his pants and, and lifts a, a weightlifting bar with no weights on in order to prove that he is equally as fit as, as, as Jerry is aiming to be. Mm. Which is just weird, weird behaviour. Weird behaviour. You'd just be like, oh, I can't, get, I can't wait to get rid of this dickhead. Yeah. If you had someone like that in your house. The issue is that Jerry's unfit and, and needs to get fitter, but Tom's there, like, fucking puffing his chest out and look at me, I'm already... He's not, though. Just accept it. Yeah, well, he even makes reference to Jerry's weight, despite the fact that he's the one with the pot belly. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just weird. It is, I mean, isn't it? he didn't write... You know, obviously, that was the writer's gaff. I think. They shouldn't have put that in, really, mm. but... 
the rest of the, the equipment is coming next week. There's more. There's more stuff to come. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't know where they're going to put it. What did you think though of um, Barbara having a go on the old exercise bike? Oh, that made me laugh. That did make me laugh. It it, it was weird the way that she was. I don't know if the exercise bike was supposed to work this way, but the the handlebars came towards her and yeah. It reminded me more of when you see like those old Victorian sex machines. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I think it was supposed to do that. You know, like you're supposed to like push and pull with your arms. Um, yeah. But maybe maybe it had just not been set up properly yet, and and it had run away yeah. with itself. There's there's jokes about a sauna coming later. Maybe in the seventies and eighties, they associated like health and fitness, and then going in the sauna afterwards. But Tom just takes it a bit too far and talks about. Margot rolling in the snow, and then Jerry bashing her with branches, like it was a like it was a proper sauna. I reckon that was that was again a joke that probably worked a lot better at the time because mm. that would have been the perception of saunas yeah. in ski lodges rather than something that you get in every bloody Copthorne hotel. Exactly, these days, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or even just like gyms, a lot of gyms even have them. They're just de rigueur now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the time, it would have been very. A very specific joke, that's Buzz. Tom takes a trip down to the bank to see George Cole as the bank manager in order to ask for some provision for his old age and what he can do about it. Hmm. He asks George Cole, Mr. Downs, can you give me £2,000 a year until I die? That's that's what he's that's what he's hoping for, which is very, yeah. very unlikely. You sort of, Tom's trying to charm the bank manager, really, and I thought that was... Well, at least it seems like he is at first, and that seemed to be indicative of the different approach. Nowadays, the banks want you. Yeah. As, well, as long, as long as you've got the means, they want your custom, they want your business, as long as you've got the means, which mm. ultimately it turns out Tom doesn't. But back then, I mean, my parents and Ali's parents have said, when we wanted a mortgage, we had to get done up in our suit and go and impress the bank manager. Now you just rock up in your T-shirt, don't you? As long as you've got the, the paperwork to show that you've got the money coming in, they can't yeah. fall over themselves quick enough to give you a loan. That's it. It was all about the image, wasn't it? In order to sort of persuade someone that you were, rather than it being numbers down on paper, it was how you were perceived, which is quite weird, mm. isn't it? That's and I, I don't like things like that. I don't like having to jump through hoops and do the right dance in order to get what you need as a service. Like when you go for a, for a car, if you go to like a car garage and and they keep going away and coming back with a different figure just because you're charming them, I don't like that. I find that no. really, it's quite insulting, really, that you've got to do that. It's tedious, isn't it? You just go, can we just skip this shit where yeah. you give me a, a fair price and I pay a fair price? Exactly. And then we go both go away happy rather than doing this stupid dance Yeah. and you acting like a complete cock and me yeah. going home pissed off in a bad mood, even though I should be happy because I've just bought a car. Yeah. And you go and pretending that you're going asking somebody that's not there. Yeah. Just find it really, it's, it's quite an insulting thing. But in the 70s, in banks, that's how that's how the dance was done. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, so there's no provision for for their old age. But Tom's pissed poor maths is, the irony is that his house would be well worth the 77,000 by the time he died at 85, would be about now. Yeah. So his house would have been worth far more than 77,000. That's the irony. Absolutely, that house yeah. in Surbiton, albeit it was filmed in Northwood, but if that very house was in Surbiton... What would it be worth? A million dollars? A million yeah. pounds? Yeah, I think so. Easy. Easy. In that area of you London. Know? Yeah. So really, George Cole should have took that gamble. I know. Ha! Serves <laughs> you right, George Cole. Tom and Barbara, however, have got £3.87 in the bank and 
Tom decides to withdraw three pounds of it to get Barbara some flowers, which yeah, I think is quite, yeah, quite a that nice gesture. Sweet. In the kitchen, back at the Goods house, the flowers are in the vase, and Barbara says, listen, we've got years ahead of us. Who else is that lucky? She's quite sort of sentimental at the moment about, about all this. Hmm. She's living in the now, isn't she? Like she we said is. earlier. The fact that the fact that the the, the 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 looking so far ahead into the future, Barbara's just happy to think about the today, which is quite quite sweet and quite sensible, to be honest, as well. Hmm. Barbara actually threatens to murder Tom at one point here. Well, t- Tom says she'd be perfectly entitled to murder him, and I think that's probably the most sense he's ever spoken in all of these <laughs> sort of thirty episodes. But then, sort of, she brings him out of this sort of maudlin mindset and he fucking kicks her under the table like a like a schoolboy <sighs> trying to woo a girl by being mean do you know what i mean yeah he just gives her a boot that. and she yeah. just takes it with a laugh and i'm like no boot me and boot me under the table just stab you between the eyes yeah yeah or to put it in his words i'll kick your head in yeah abuse isn't love no different hashtag different times we'll it use that indeed. one more time in our last episode yeah jerry walks into the kitchen as as often happens, and interrupts their violent tomfoolery. He needs to borrow a spanner. The the wall bars have arrived. Oh my god! Where, are they gonna, where the hell are they going to put these? The wall bars have arrived, and he needs to fit them. And the, the, Tom and Jerry end up in some weird muscle comparing contest. It it all gets a bit just macho bravado. Macho, isn't it, too? yeah. Fairly pathetic middle-aged fools bragging about being fitter than one another. Yeah. But Jerry challenges Tom to a run. Now that Jerry's sort of on that on the, the literal treadmill mm. of training, um, he challenges Tom to a run. Margot says that she's not going to... St- Is Margot here at this point? She's come in and um, she's, in? she's clearly getting a kick off the... F- the fact that they, I think it sexually excites her that that Jerry's showing some masculinity and macho. Yeah, behavior. she does. She does like this. She does like this. She says that she's not going to stop them from competing um, because she considers it something that, that that it's it's very British and very fine. So she's going to allow this. This she just likes the, the testosterone flying around. In my I opinion, think she does. But she also gets into the competitive spirit, which we saw in the last episode with the Christmas games, because she she says to Tom, "Your frame borders on corpulent." Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, um, and then that makes Barbara stand up for her man. And it's all very competitive. But it is. to my mind, I'm looking at this thinking, Jerry's clearly fitter than Tom mm. physically to yeah. the naked eye. However, if you're going to believe sitcom world and the story that we've had so far, Tom should kick his ass because he's out there flogging his guts every day, isn't he? Yeah, he manual labour. Yeah. He should be a machine, really. Yes. Yes, he doesn't look like a machine. He looks like a bit of a sagging machine. Yeah, probably because he lets Barbara do all the work. I bet she's got yeah, pretty... but she's like she's... an ox. Yeah, and and the other thing about this is that I am with Jerry in being fed up with Tom's mocking because yes. all he's done since Jerry found out that he's not he's not unwell, but he needs to he needs to make changes rather than yeah. be supportive. He's just mocking him, so I don't blame him for getting on his high horse and going, "Come on, then, prove it." You know. Mm. Margot wants to talk tactics with Jerry. <laughs> and they've got a plan for 10am in the morning they're, they're going to go for a run so she's yeah it's all very serious it is good life 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 the next scene we're outside um, Margot and Jerry are waiting 
for um for Tom to arrive and Tom arrives oh, I'm going to talk about this in fashion corner. Tom arrives dressed in string vest. Oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you said that was such passion. Oh, I know it, Jesus. I know it's a comedy but it just made me go oh what the hell. <laughs> Tom and and Jerry set off on the run and it's all there's the there's the 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 music the accompanying music sort of suggests that it's like they're all sort of like trying the hardest and well, Je- to- Jerry's got a stitch in no time. Yeah. You see him holding himself and he's only just gone off and I thought bloody hell. Because oh. pass- at this point I'm rooting for Jerry, I've got to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um they pass a couple that are sat in deck chairs, just you know, taking in, <laughs> in the a field. sunshine in a field with nobody else. But it wasn't exactly picturesque, was it? It just looked like a real dog shit where you walk your dog yeah. field. And they're there and it looks so seventies. You can you can imagine sort of um the power station, like in the distance, that the the sort of like looking over, yeah, just, yeah, just an odd, an odd, an odd scene. Breathing in the fumes from I know. the motorway. Weird. But Tom and Jerry get tired quite quickly, and that they're sweating and they're flailing about. They can't breathe, and they're having to like lean on lampposts. They then agree, in in typical British sitcom style, to go to the pub, and off they go. They go. They, they're outside a pub, and in they go. Yeah, they just. Barely, they can barely talk to each other, so we don't get the exposition of them going, let's set this off for a pint, because they're just going, pub, pint, pub. pub. <laughs> yeah. Where's the nearest boozer? You're looking at him. Yeah. That type of thing, innit? In they go. Uh, Margot and Barbara are both waiting at the finishing line with um, with like a ribbon. And up rock, Tom and Jerry passing the finishing line together, which is quite quite nice, isn't it? It's presumably a, presumably a prearranged truce. We'll have yes. this pint and possibly yeah. another pint and yes. possibly a chaser. Yes. And then, and then we'll we'll cross the line together, make it look genuine. And and, and Mar- Margot and Barbara are so happy to see them. However, there's a spanner in the works when a taxi turns up to tell them that they've left the wallet in the in the cab. Yeah. So not only have they gone to the boozer and had a couple of pints, they've also got a taxi home. So the the run hasn't even taken place. So Margot at this point is who was all for it and was very excited, calls them cheaters and traitors. Tom and Jerry don't give a shit though, they've just um they just run off. Yeah, I didn't I wouldn't have thought Barbara would care either. It's the type of thing she'd just have gone toad. At yeah, to exactly. Tom, isn't it? Exactly. So yeah, they, they, they complete the run, but Margot's very cross. It's a bit of a it's another one of those schnarf endings, isn't it? It is a little bit. A bit of an anti climax, I think. Yeah. I'm sure that HRH got a giggle back in the studio. I think so. Yeah. To me, it's not canon because it, to me, I liked the fact that it ended when it ended in the previous two. Yeah, this feels a bit of a shoehorned ending. It just felt a bit contrived. I think. Yeah. It would have been fine sandwiched in between series three and four. Exactly. But as the last one, it's just yeah. a bit weak. Yeah. It, yeah, it just feel a bit weak. However, yeah, I, I get it, and it, it yeah. But then we get the post-credits, don't we, after this, which is more of the studio footage. More, yeah, more of the Queen and Prince Philip leaving now. So we've got the opposite end of... I think they just came and sat and watched it and then got up and well, went. Well, it looks that way. It absolutely yeah. It's edited to look like that, yeah. Prince Philip does a quick dash left while everybody else is coming out on the right, on the other side. Um, yeah. Maybe he was he was desperate to, to get going. Maybe saw, maybe saw a man of colour and was avoiding him. The, you know well, like. They go and meet the BBC staff and cast and they're taken along the line and there's cutscene and handshaking. And then you see as the Queen's meeting 
some member of the BBC bigwig group. Prince Philip's in the background and people are like laughing around him and you think, oh God, I wonder what he said. What's he doing? What's he said? Is he shaking Felicity Kendall's hand telling her he'd love to give her one or something? Oh my God. You just think, whatever it is, it's likely to be massively inappropriate. Yeah. You got all these boring introductions and then the commentator goes... There's George Cole. He made a jolly good bank manager, didn't he? <laughs> I thought, fuck it, shut up. You are adding no value whatsoever, you silly old sod. It just, oh, that that, that commentary was just, it, it just felt so weird. It was weird watching an episode of The Good Life with that sort of book ending. Yeah. It was the, just the last nonsense. ever episode. Very weird. Uh, and then they go. Prince Philip and the Queen get back in the cab. They find Jerry's wallet. <laughs> He's had the meter running, hasn't he? He's had the meter running the whole time. And then go. <laughs> and then they run home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it, isn't it? What a weird end to a great TV it is. show. Yeah, it is. It is a shame we couldn't hear those conversations between the Queen and the cast. I would have liked to have known. I would what they too. Were saying. That would have been more interesting than, than the announcer. Yeah, he was maybe there to mask what they were saying because maybe you're not supposed to ever hear the Queen's private remarks. Private chats. Sure. Oh, I'd, I'd have also loved to have seen the outtakes from this episode because they were probably so nervous there would have been a few. There would have been loads, loads of guffs. Gaffs, not yeah. guffs. <laughs> well, maybe someone guffed and that was a gaff. Yes, a guff gaff. <laughs> Imagine guffing in front of the Queen. Oh, dear. Did you, get, did you not get your head cut off for that? Is that a treasonous offence, is it? Possibly. I've never guffed in front of the Queen. No, I? me neither. I don't want to test it. I was in a training meeting once years ago when I was in a uh, worked for a, when I was back in the corporate world, yeah. and it was such a boring training meeting, and a, a third party trainer had brought, been brought in. Sorry, this is a bit of a boring story, no. but I drifted off and not really. <laughs> when I was awake, what I was just forgot where I was, and I just let out this fucking ripper, just <laughs> let it go, just a oh. massive. You know, like when you sat on wood and it amplifies it. Yeah, like at like at primary school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then I just suddenly realised where I was, you know, oh, so I just no. sort, of, sort of didn't make eye contact. I was trying to just look down at my thing. And then I just, at, the, at my peripheral vision, I just saw like one of my colleagues' heads just go into view as he sort of looked down at me going, grinning at me. Ace. And then the trainer had to stop and start going, well, I think we best all acknowledge what just happened. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I had to leave brilliant. the room. And Did then you? every time I tried to walk back in, Cut someone's eye and had to do like a 360 and leave. Yeah. It made me look so unprofessional. But when you get the um, hysterics, you don't realise if you don't suffer from it, you just cannot stop. Yes. Yeah. Imagine that in front of the Queen. Imagine if like Felicity Kendall had... Just couldn't couldn't stop laughing. Anyway, there we go. Enough about my um, flatulence of the noughties. Um, Do you want to do Fashion Corner before we do MVP, given that this is going to be the final MVP? Yeah, yeah, let's right. do it. Let's let's go. This is going to be a, a bonus fashion corner, isn't it? Because we're going to presumably going to talk about the uh, the Queen and yeah, Big Phil and everyone. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's let's go there and find out then. Fashion corner, fashion corner, fashion corner, fashion corner. Well, the the announcer does does part of the job for me this week um, as he describes what the Queen's got on as she comes through the door of Television Centre and she's in a, a finely pleated chiffon dress with ruffled sleeves and fine pink flower buds as he describes it and he's very correct she is in, in indeed in, in an outfit he doesn't he doesn't have a patch on you Elle. 
No, I don't think so. He if you're ever ill, I might track him down. <laughs> Get him to come in and... Yeah. But no, he's, he's oh. not as good as you. Prince Philip's very very soberly dressed in um, very smart suits. He's probably yeah. dead. <laughs> uh, the audience... Because everyone's in their finery, aren't they? In the audience, they must have been. They must, the invite must have said, you know, dress up to the nines because mm. the Queen's coming. Um, and I find that when I see audiences in the seventies, it's very sort of block colour. Nobody's in any kind of designs or prints, which which doesn't really reflect fashion corner that we've talked about throughout these four series. Because Margot has been in all sorts of designs, but I just find that it's like all block colours of like pink or green. Oh, it was a very dark green, wasn't there, front yeah. left? And she stood out just because it looked dreadful yeah. to me. Well, yeah. to me it did. But. And they've all got hats as well, sort of hats and, and like, veily bits and pieces, fascinators, as you'd call them today. They're all they're all proper dressed up like they go into a wedding. Hmm. Or like the uh, Hindus at Aintree. Exactly, Women, yeah, ladies it's day ladies' day. Aintree. It's just ladies' day, but in the 70s. And without without being pissed and acting up and flashing your fanny. Exactly. I'm hoping so, anyway. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you do rewind and pause, you might find some. I'd love it if someone was in the audience that day could, who was listening could let us know if um, you were like on a, a bender like Sharon, at the same time. A Sharon Stone cross-legged moment. <laughs> From a Madge. No! Oh! Madge's a... fudge. No, I was going to do that and I stopped. <laughs> yes, well, you know, I don't have any filter. If, it, if it's in my head, it's coming out it's of my mouth. It's coming out. <laughs> That's what like she said. Like a minge. <laughs> I think we did we did sort of hint earlier about the fashion in this episode. This is mid nineteen seventy eight, and you can you can almost see the the move on from the the, the sort of seventies fashion that we've seen throughout the good life so far mm. it's almost moving into a more these are clothes that i can imagine my mum picking me up from primary school wearing right it was like big buttons knitwear um i think in in there's one of the earlier scenes where we see margot and she's got this white knitted jumper on with red trousers and it's got like big buttons and, and like a rosette on it and i can i can sort of picture my mum buying something like that from cna in the 80s yeah so we are definitely moving on Jerry, we don't see the Burberry slacks in his in his outfit early on in in this episode. However, he's he's looking very smart. He's got like a navy jacket, roll neck sweater, which we've seen quite a lot of, and checked slacks. They're not the Burberry slacks though, so maybe he's not been to the Chelsea that day. Hmm. Well, I think Margot does actually mention football hooligans in this one, doesn't she? Well, maybe that's why he's not worn the trousers. Just to... she's got wise to it. Yeah, Jerry, to have it. Yeah, you're not going there anymore. Type of thing. Yep, Barbara. We've 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 t- we've talked about the the simplicity of of the Barbara outfit and costume that that we sort of see re-emerging episode after episode. But in this episode, she's got like pumps and jeans and a t-shirt on, which again, very subtly, is moving away from the seventies feel of what she's had on previously. But she she's just dead cute again. She doesn't really need to rock much in order to um to she 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 rocks the Barbara costume I think does Felicity Kendall whatever it is that they throw at her, but it but it is decidedly more of an 80s style than the 70s style I think. We we spoke about Margot having all the gear, so when she's going out running with Jerry, she's she's there in 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 like a full on navy tracksuit, got like red piping like red trimming, and she's got the 80s red plastic see-through visor on which yes. which I, I in my head I equate to 
that move towards the early 80s. But the, yeah, the visor. I don't know what what's that about. What what? Well, they they were definitely in fashion all through the eighties, and were. I never really got but it. But they did either. nothing. It's not like it, it doesn't mask anything or hide anything. They weren't polarized, were they? No, the it was just a piece of plastic on your head. Yeah, very odd. Barbara has a top on in this episode, which is it's like a not just a cut and shut top. It's like a cut and a shot and a cut and a shot and a cut and a shot all over it. It's like she's taken all pieces of her old clothes and, and made. A t-shirt out of out of everything that she owns, with jeans. But it, this looks like then like next level self sufficiency in terms of of clothing. It's not just an old top that she's had. It's literally been made out of everything that she's she's owned previously. Margot has later on in this scene a belted dress in like a stone colour. It's quite muted, quite a muted sort of shade. But again, looking amazing. And then at the start of the race. We see her in this beautiful green cape top um, with a neckerchief and sunglasses. And her hair, her hair in this episode is lovely. It's, it, it, we're moving away from that sort of lacquered, sticky-up old lady hair to looking looking a bit younger, Yeah, if that makes sense. The style does de It's weird because the, to, the Manor, to the Manor Born started, what, a year later? And yeah. I think she looks significantly older in that. So yeah. I don't know what they did between this and then. Yeah, yeah, she um she she looks she looks wonderful. The green cape top is is fab. And yeah, I want to mention Tom in Fashion Corner. Unfortunately, he turns up for his run, this big run that he's doing, in order to convince Margot and Jerry that he's fitter than Tom than than Jerry. Sorry, he's in he's in shorts which are like cutoffs, a string vest. <laughs> a visor and work shoes. Um, so yeah. I don't know what, what, at what point he thought that he was in for the in for the win. Really, I don't know. He's sort of dressed like Rob C. Nesbitt a bit, isn't he? It's, yeah, it is like Rob C. Nesbitt, which I know it's, it's there for comic value, and it is quite funny. But you just think, oh God, knowing knowing this character as well as we do now, considering how much we've talked about him over the past few weeks, you just. Yeah, it just just made me go, oh my God, what are you doing? Do you think Richard Bryars was like, oh God, I don't have to wear that, do I? Because it's not flattering to him, especially when it's he's covered no. in dripping with sweat. I would hate to wear it if I was acting in something. I'd think, oh God. Yeah, and trying yeah. to run in work shoes as well. They look like they were yeah. too big for him as well. Too big work shoes, like like going to the, the bins in your in your dad's work boots at, at home. Well, it's consistent with the character though, because he can't afford to buy anything. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, he also earlier in, in earlier in the um, episode he was wearing t-shirts, and we'd never seen Tom out of shirt and jumper, had we? Yeah, he was shirt wearing and t-shirts. Mm. I guess I don't know when t-shirts became commonplace. But maybe late seventies. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say so. The seventies. Um, yeah, I think so. But for like an older guy, I don't. I don't know. I think that's quite an unusual thing to see him in. Isn't it? Well, it's it's easy to forget that he's only supposed to be forty three. In fact, probably Richard Bryce was only forty three. I think. Yeah, but when I think about sort of my dad in in that time, I don't remember seeing my dad in a a t shirt very often. Don't I don't know what he wore. Probably relative to what your own parents wear. My dad wore t shirts yeah. all the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I just thought, like I said earlier, that a lot of the cast looked like they were wearing completely different wardrobe than the series yeah. proper, even though it only ended six months prior. Mm. It did feel it did feel like it had jumped on like an age a little bit. Hmm. 
Before we do the MVP, there was mm-hmm. no tab tab. Nope. No oi oi tab. No soft porn in this one in front of her madge. Nope. It was very, very sort of... Straight Muted, weren't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> no tit tab. The Queen had pokies, did you notice? No! <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> no! No pokies. No pokies from her, from HRH. Now, MVP. Mm. Let's Let's hear yours... Or do you want me to do mine first? You go first. Well, Big Phil played a blinder. Didn't seem to insult anyone. <laughs> we don't know, though. I think he did, probably, in the background. I think, well, yes, he probably did, actually. So I'm going to give it to Barbara. Okay. Um, Barbara is the one who pulls Tom back from his from the abyss with his obsession about death. She's happy with what she's doing. Um, she's helped to make these things, the Japanese cushions for Margot. And really, I didn't think there was a lot of competition personally to Barbara in this episode on the basis mm-hmm. that, um, Tom is a dick as usual. He's ending as he started this run. Jerry's getting sucked into childishness with Tom and Margot's just kind of there in this one. She doesn't do mm-hmm. anything particularly yeah. special. So I think it's almost like a default MVP for Barbara this week for me. Mine was Barbara as well. Oh, okay. It was, yeah. Um, I think the, the the it was the scene, like you said, the scene where she's she's trying to keep it in the day rather than sort of projecting too far in the future. Like Tommy's, she she's that she's that voice of reason again, isn't she? Where she is convincing him that they are doing the right thing, despite the fact that she got caught up in it very early on because Tom wanted to do it. She's there as the voice of reason all along when it starts to go off a little bit. And Tom's mm. sort of head goes and starts to panic. She's the she's the voice of reason, which is wonderful. I think she's 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 great in this episode. Well, 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 well. Oh well. wow! Where does that take us to now then? Oh, I actually thought that made a bigger difference than it did. I've just I've just updated the um, the master list. Shall yes. I give it you in re- in reverse order? Yes, please. Coming in joint last with with one vote each, we've got Mr. Carter, <laughs> your mate, um, we've got Harry the Leak Thief, and we've got Mr. Waitley. Right. I think two of those votes were from you and one was from me. With, oh no, Mr. Carter isn't your mate, is it? Mr. No, Coles, Mr. Coles is your mate. Mm. He got two votes, we both voted for him. Who was so, Mr. Carter? Was that the, oh, the Residence Mr. Association guy? He is, yeah, the unstoppable neckerchief machine. Yep. Um, so, yes, so last place with, with one point each, Mr. Waitley, Harry the Elite yep. Thief, Mr. Carter. Mr. Coles has got two votes. Yeah. Coming in last of the main cast, or fourth, we've actually got Barbara with 11 votes. Right. I thought she was going to be drawing level with Tom, who got 12 votes, but no, right. he's, just, he's just pipped her um, with 12. And then coming in top... Joint top with 16 votes each, Margot and Jerry. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Well, you can't have Margot without Jerry, can you? Yin and yang. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that, that, that's, cheered, that's cheered my heart. Yes, yeah, there we go. Congratulations, Margot and Jerry. Oh. The Surbiton power couple. They are doubt. indeed. They are. You happy with that result then? I am. I, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm really happy with that. I thought that Margot... Deserved it as the character because I think she's just like a force in the good life. But I, I'm glad that Jerry got 
recognition as well because I think but the he, more you watch him, he's so good with the subtle comedy, isn't he? In the I think that's what surprised me in the rewatch. That's one of the things that surprised me most: how much feeling I had towards Paul Eddington's character of, of Jerry. It's only only through rewatching that I've realised what a what a great character he actually is. Yeah, and a great actor, of course. Mm, yeah, yeah, a lot of time for Paul Eddington. Not going to cry this week. No, don't cry this week. Um, that'll be cut out anyway of last week's, trust me. <laughs> I started getting weepy-eyed. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That brings us to an end of um, our deep dive into The Good Life and our first wow. series of this podcast. Wow. Big thank you, I think, to anyone who's, who's stuck with us all the way through. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been we've we've really en- enjoyed it. It's like, it's like twelve months ago since we decided that we were going to do this, and to 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 have actually done it all and had people enjoy it along with us is it's it's, it's lovely. It's fun. yeah. Seven months of weekly episodes have gone out, so we're now going to take a, a little wee break for a while, but we'll be back with another deep dive into another classic British sitcom of the seventies or eighties. Or maybe even nineties, but I think we'll probably stick to the older ones for now, won't we? Yeah, yeah. We've got we've got time. There's all this time. You can expect us back around June or possibly before if we get we have to convene an emergency pod. <laughs> there may be one, yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited about the prospects of an emergency pod. Well we might have to. You never know. Something might happen. It'll be like I need to get oh. this pod I need to get this podded. Yeah. Oh here's hoping. If you'd like to suggest what you'd like to see us do in Series 2, you can get in touch with us via many a different method. You've literally got a plethora of choice. You can reach out to us on social media. We are at Sado Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. We are on Facebook. Just search for Sado Podcast. You can email us at sadopodcast.gmail.com. Contact us through the website where all the episodes are there to listen to. We've also got blogs on there you can listen to. And... Just let us know um, if you're going to use social media or Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag Sado Season 2 to let us know what you'd like us to cover next and we'll listen, possibly ignore, if we don't like the shows that you suggest. Um, been, yeah, get involved though. We might, we might make it a poll at some point to see mm. if... Uh, so by all means suggest what you'd like to see us deep dive. It's got to be something from the 70s and 80s. It's got to be British. There are only rules at this point, aren't they all? Yeah, unfortunately. But um, in the meantime, just subscribe, tell your friends, leave his review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and um, that will help us build build an audience and reach more people. We love what we do, and we put quite a bit of time and effort into producing the, the Saddle podcast. Um, if you head on to the website at saddle.club, there is a button that you can click if you wish to do so, um, that you can, you can buy us a coffee, um, just, to, just to say thanks. Yeah, we'd appreciate that, and it's a... Helps us keep going and keep producing more content. But I think for now, until next time, it's just um, one last time to say I'll I'll see the next series. Aww. Well, thank you very much. Goodbye.
So Tom takes a, t- a trip down a, a tit. No, I'm gone. <laughs> Tom is a tit. Tom is-, is that what you're saying? <laughs> 